Welcome to episode four of the Cleeps podcast. On previous episodes, we have talked with Dave Parry about model risk assessments in DT, Ralph Witcher about the use of radioactive sources in schools, and Bob Worley about safety data sheets or SDSs. In episode four, we're going to look into biology, and we have with us the Cleeps biology advisor, Eileen. She'll be talking to us about microbiology. So Eileen, what does microbiology mean to you? Hi, Samir. So microbiology um, is the study of microorganisms and what microorganisms are, are just tiny living organisms that are not visible to the eye. And types include bacteria and fungi. And even though it's not quite considered a living organism, viruses also are considered um, a microorganism uh, and these are normally organisms that you because you can't see it they're not visible to the eye you would need to use a microscope to look at them and study them and they are all around us um, and we we sort of learn about them from a young age even without realizing so you don't need to be a scientist that's the important thing to know is you don't need to to be a scientist to have an appreciation and an understanding of microbiology because when we're little, we're all told to wash our hands before we eat, to make sure that we um, we clean surfaces. Um, and this is all microbiology. It's all about the things that we can't see and making sure that they don't make us sick. In my mind, when I was a teacher, I remember doing the topic in year eight of microbes and disease, uh, making bread dough using yeast. Would that be considered microbiology? Yes, that would. And actually, there's lots of uses in microbiology. Now, the, the common misconception is that microbes are bad for you and they, you know, they have a bad reputation. But in actual fact, microbes can be both harmful, helpful and also benign, meaning that they don't have any effect on us at all. So your example there of, of making um, bread dough rise using yeast that is a perfect example of an, a helpful form of microbes where we can actually use them in industry. We can use them in the food industry, for example, bread, cheeses, alcohol is also brewed from, you need yeast from that. And it's, it's understanding about how microbes work. Um, and starting from a young age, as you said, with learning for students to learn the conditions that microbes need to grow that's really useful. There are also plenty of other examples of how you can use microbes um, in industry, uh, for example, in agriculture, um, with, with uh, recycling, um, so uh, lots of the nutrients are put back into the soil. In medicine as well, that's, that's probably the most well-known, where vaccines are developed from microbes, and also Anti, uh, antibiotics are so penicillin is the the uh, common form of antibiotic that was discovered accidentally because a mold was seen observed growing and it stopped the growth of bacteria scientists thought well what is it producing to stop the growth of bacteria and that turned out to be penicillin that we use regularly in uh, everyday life okay yeah and i uh also, uh, I'm aware of uh, bacteria in the uh, digestive system. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So uh, I remember reading an article in the National Geographic 
um, a couple of years ago, and I used it in my teaching, that there are over 3,000 different strains. So a strain is like a type of, uh, effectively like a breed of bacteria. Um, and there are over 3,000 strains of bacteria in your gut alone that help maintain the balance of microbes in your gut. And in actual fact, if, if that is disrupted in any way, it can lead to all sorts of digestive conditions and stomach upsets. Um, and you also find lots of bacteria on your skin as well. And, and most of those are there to protect you. What they do is they grow really well. They, they are on your skin and they prevent the growth of any nasty bacteria that would make you sick called pathogens. And so they outcompete. Um, so bacteria and microbes and viruses and fungi are all around you or all on the surfaces. Um, they're in the air, they're in the soil. They even live in really harsh conditions. And as long as you understand them and you know how to manage them, then you can stay safe. You can actually make some great uses from them. As we mentioned, some, some of the, um, the uh, industrial uses for microbes. Um, and you just want to make sure that you keep their population numbers low. So there are, there are going to be pathogens, the, the, um, the disease-causing microbes around you. But as long as your immune system is working well and you keep those numbers down low, then, um, then you can stay safe. So therefore, if you, if you think about the current situation we're in at the moment with COVID-19, lots of these measures of how to how we keep safe are, are much more apparent. So things like general hygiene, being very hot on general hygiene, washing your hands, cleaning surfaces. These are all measures that are types of aseptic technique, which is what we teach a lot about in schools. And that is to reduce the, um, the, the contamination of ourselves and um, the things we eat and surfaces from pathogenic bacteria um, and viruses and fungi, which are the ones that cause disease. Okay, so speaking of uh, aseptic technique and school practical work, can you talk a little about what actually goes on in the Cleats microbiology course? Are, are there multiple courses or is there one course? Uh, the, the type uh, of content, what might teachers and technicians uh, learn on this course? So we have a safe practical microbiology course um, and what the aim of that course is for people to understand that you can carry out microbiology in schools safely but to do that you need to make sure you are you you have sort of three factors in mind control containment and disposal so the control is basically making sure that you um, you have planned what you're doing and that you um, have bought in um, or you're using strains of microbes that are safe because actually the, even though we mentioned that some microbes are helpful, harmful and benign, you want to make sure that you're using the benign ones, okay, the ones that actually are known not to cause disease you, so that you can grow them, you can look at them and they're easy to get rid of. And that you're containing them, so you're you're using containers that don't allow microbes to escape. You're making sure that um, when you're incubating your microbes, that they're in a locked room, so that you know where they are. Um, 
and you're not contaminating yourselves with microbes or, and you're not contaminating your media with microbes that you don't want to be there so from from you so it's a two-way thing so you don't want to be contaminated but also you don't want anything from you to contaminate what you're growing because you don't you don't know how you don't have the knowledge of knowing what they'll do or what they are okay. um, and then disposal which is really important because anything you're growing you need to make sure that you dispose of appropriately afterwards because otherwise it could become contaminated. It could cause disease. So in terms of disposal, what, what sort of methods would schools typically use? I mean, just think about environmental swabbing, uh, uh, a practical which I uh, used to very much enjoy doing. Um, mm -hmm. what, should, what is the correct route for disposal of these Petri dishes? So for any disposal, any microbiological uh, resources you've used, so anything you've grown or anything you've bought in that you no longer need, need to be disposed of via steam sterilisation. Um, there's a reason for this because sterilisation will kill everything. It will kill the live cells, it will kill the viruses, and it will also kill spores. And spores are effectively like seeds that the the uh, microbes leave behind so if you think of how seeds work they'll they'll basically they're quite protected because they have a hard outer layer and they'll stay in an environment until the conditions are favorable and then they'll grow so sterilization is a process which actually destroys the spores and the microbes um, and the best way to do that is through via steam sterilization using either an autoclave or a pressure cooker that's designed for sterilization. And the only one that we advise the use of is the Prestige six liter high domed pressure cooker. Okay. And th this involves using steam at 121 degrees for 15 minutes to just destroy everything in there. Complete dis destruction of everything in there, which is probably what we want. But the um, important thing about sterilization is it also needs to be before, during your preparation as well, not just for disposal. So it needs to be for the media that you are about to grow your microbes in because you don't want to provide something contaminated and then put new microbes on top. So it's okay. important to start off with sterile equipment as well. Uh, okay, and uh, I know some schools use autoclaves as well. Is, is that okay? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's absolutely fine. They are more expensive, but in actual fact, they are a good investment. Um, and with any of the pressure vessels, they also need to go through their um, an annual um, examination under the pressure system safety regulations. Um, and if 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 anyone out there has any questions, please get in contact with us. Yeah, you can always uh, get in contact with the helpline if you visit science.cleeps.org.uk. You've got a form you can fill in or just email us on science at cleeps.org.uk with your school's postcode and any questions uh, raised uh, from this podcast uh, can be answered if your school is a member. Um, so Eileen, I mentioned the uh, bread uh, dough experiment in, in year eight, which I very much enjoy doing. Do you have mm -hmm. some uh, microbiology practicals which, which, you, which you would consider to be your favourite? 
Um, I, like yourself, I do enjoy the finger dabs and environmental swabs. And it is, it is quite popular because it just gives the students that sort of, that wow factor of thinking there's nothing there. I can't see anything on my fingers. I can't see anything on my surf uh, on the surfaces. But then once they've they've done their swab or their finger dabs, and it comes back that next week, and they see, oh my goodness, this has actually grown. And then they understand that actually these microbes are everywhere. But we haven't given them the conditions they need. We haven't given them the heat or the food or the time. But if I perhaps didn't wash for a week, then you know, these things are growing on me. So it does help. It's still the importance of okay. actual general hygiene and um, good cleansiness is, is really important. Things which you have to come back to, such as, you know, the uh, swabbing where you, uh, you need to let the, um, the, the plates cultivate. Is that the right term? Or grow? Or... Grow. Uh, well, you're, you're incubating them. Incubating. So you're allowing them to But, but there's to a grow. time... Yeah, there's a time delay from when you do it to when you actually see results. Absolutely. And it's that anticipation which always, you know, makes the practical better. You know, coming mm. back to something after a few days and seeing the growth is always um, always nice. Are there any... every time as well, so that's it, it'll be different for every person as well. Yeah. Are there any do's and don'ts you want to quickly go over with environmental swabbing? Do we have any guidance on this on the CLEEPS website? We do, we do. We have a practical procedure. Now, um, on there, there is a list of advisable places to swab and also some that are not advisable. The, the key thing you need to take away about environmental swabs is that these are unknown microbes. We don't know what they are. Um, you would actually need to study microbiology as a degree um, to be able to identify some of them, but we don't know what they do. Um, so the important thing is when you're growing anything is to make sure that you have you keep them in their petri dishes and that you don't try and open them because unknowns have the potential to be pathogenic. Okay, so if you think of um, the the swabs, when you do a swab, it's very different from growing a pure culture of E. coli. Now, pure culture of E. coli, you will, the school will have bought the culture from an educational supplier. It's got a long history of use. It's not known to be pathogenic. When you do the antimicrobial experiment, which is a known uh, experiment in GCSE and post-16, these microbes will can be killed by quite a lot of antimicrobials. But we don't know if it'll have the same effect on microbes that are in the environment yeah. so um it's best to keep to the suggested areas that, that we've mentioned in our yeah. practical procedure just, yeah i've just looked i've just looked it up on our website so for members if you want to uh, look at this list of suitable swabbing locations and unsuitable swabbing locations that's pp051 so if you were to search pp051 or you could search for environmental swabbing, this uh, document would come up. So we've got suitable swabbing locations would be surfaces in the lab or fingertips. Uh, unsuitable would be uh, obviously body cavities and surfaces uh, other than fingers. Uh, bodily fluids, toilets and drains, belts and zips. 
Belts and zips, that's an interesting one. Why would that be deemed an unsuitable swabbing location? Because when you go to the bathroom, what you have to undo are your belts and zips. And unfortunately, you wash your hands after you've done up your belts and zips. So that's why it's not advisable. Okay, makes perfect sense. Are there any other resources on our website you would like to flag up relating to microbiology? So we have recently reviewed our microbiology section in the handbook and now we've uh, developed individual documents. So if you just uh, search microbiology on our website, there are a number of different documents. And to help you understand what we have available, there is a document called the Microbiology Index and that lists all the different types of resources we have, the guidance um, to do with health and safety, uh, practical procedures, uh, documents on sterilization and disposal. So that would be a great place to start. Um, And if you already have a good understanding of how to do some microbiology, it's it's great to read this, so to help you um, reinforce that understanding. But if you are new to microbiology, please come on one of our courses. It helps you build the confidence, develop the skills, ask questions, so that if you were able to deliver microbiology confidently and competently, then that reflects on the students and and hopefully that will encourage them and raise some enthusiasm so that we've got more young people uh, going into this field. Yeah, it is a fascinating field and uh definitely uh, again talking about that year eight module microbes and disease um i i do remember when we had shared classes with you know you would share a, a class with with a, another teacher i would always try to bag that uh, particular module because it was really good fun to teach and like with many areas in in science uh, a very important area for practical work to take place because you know, if you don't do the environmental swabbing, how would students ever actually know that these things exist all around us, on our skin, you know, as, as you mentioned, in, in the digestive system, in soil, uh, in food, in, in virtually, you know, everywhere. Uh, so bringing it to life uh, via safe and effective practical work is, is very important. Okay, uh, anything else to add uh, while we're here? Um, Just that um, hopefully people understand the use for microbiology. Uh, We've talked about some things that they're currently being used for, but actually there are a lot of future prospects for microbiology. For example, biotechnology and gene technology is a field that's sort of trying to look at how we can use our understanding of microbes to to support us Um, and one thing that um, hopefully we'll have in the future is the use of bacteriophages now they're viruses that infect bacteria they're effectively called bacteria eaters so if we were able to use those effectively we could get rid of a lot of eradicate a lot of bacterial diseases and so problems such as mrsa and antibiotic resistance would not be such a big problem because actually we found a different way of tackling infections um, and also that um, microbes are being used for digesting all sorts of things and recycling all sorts of things such as metal, plastic, um, oil spills as well and hopefully uh, in the future there'll be 
a lot more further developments um, using microbiology that, that isn't always obvious. Okay, well, that's fascinating and perhaps more content for a future episode. Thank you very much, Eileen. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, Samir. So that was Eileen from Cleeps, the biology advisor, talking to us about microbiology. If you would like to see the microbiology guidance index on our website, please search for GL269. The environmental swabbing document which we discussed was PP051. So if you search for PP051, that will come up. You can grab all our previous episodes on cleeps.podbean.com. Uh, a reminder of our website, this is science.cleeps.org.uk. And do follow us on Twitter, at Cleeps. That's at C-L-E-O-P-S-S. 